Hi, welcome to The Bug Plug, a podcast about all things insects, arachnids, arthropods, creepies, and crawlies. I'm Kaylee, and today we're learning about the pharaoh ant. back in March we did a generic ants episode and I covered just like generic facts and things focusing mostly on like common household ants and today I wanted to focus more on a specific ant. When I started the research and everything I'd never seen this one before so I thought it'd be a fun one to research. Before we just dive right in the orb weaver in my garden is doing great. She is huge. We've had a couple of storms and like I thought she would not drop down, but like burrow into one of the plants maybe for protection during the storms, but she doesn't. She just hangs out on her web and the wind makes her shake. It's very funny. Um, I also had a giant katydid in my front flower bed and I had two wasps in my house. But other than that, I've seen like no other bugs. Wait, that's a lie. Earlier this week, one of my dogs had a cricket in her empty food bowl. We joked about her keeping it as a pet, but when dinner time came, the cricket went back outside. Um, After that little story, I would like to remind you that some of us without kids are treating our dogs like literal children. That's where I am in my life. Uh, But we're just going to move right past that. On on to the pharaoh ant. Did you know pharaoh is spelled that way? (laughs) I kept leaving out the second A when I was writing this episode because it's P-H-A-R-A-O-H. And it was super annoying. So anyway, turns out I don't know how to spell. And pharaoh is spelled like that. So pharaoh ants. Scientifically, it's Monomorium pharaonis. It's a very small ant known for being a pest in hospitals. When I say known for, please take me very lightly because I had no idea that was a thing. These are little ants that can be found virtually all over the world. Although they originally are native to more tropical areas, they can thrive in buildings anywhere with the right indoor temperature. They are a unique ant colony as they have multiple queens. This makes them polygenous and leads to an interesting caste system and colony dynamics that ultimately give them the ability to bud and start new colonies all the time. Also, I take it back. I'm pretty sure I've seen these before. Apparently they're very common, like in households. They're super small, something like a sixteenth of an inch long. That's about two millimeters. And they're lightish brown or like yellow in color. The worker ants, who are the females, have like non-functioning stingers that act as a pheromone blaster. The males have wings but don't fly. And maybe like a millimeter larger than the worker ants. The queen bees are the largest, getting up to 5 millimeters long, and are dark red. They start out with non-functioning wings that they lose after mating. Super fun. I hate to lose my wings, but you know, whatever. The ants lay hundreds of eggs in their lifetime, laying about a dozen at a time. These eggs hatch in about a week if the temperature is right, and then reach adulthood in about 20 days. Each colony produces ants capable of reproduction about twice a year in the wild, but can be manipulated in a lab to make more. Colony budding happens when a queen worker's males, along with eggs and larvae, relocate. They've been observed creating their new colony in familiar areas, 
So they stay relatively close to the colony where they left. They have been found to prefer these familiar areas over new areas that offer more, but can eventually move to an unfamiliar area when resources get low or a threat becomes greater. Fun thing, they prefer groups of at least 469. What a random number. Another fun thing, their system of multiple queens leads to greater genetic diversity, which leads to the ants not really recognizing each other. Because of this, they've been found to be less hostile to neighboring colonies because they honestly can't tell if they're in the same group or not. I thought that was super fun. That's not to say that they can't be aggressive. They have been seen fighting for resources, but honestly, who doesn't? I think it's very interesting that... I guess I hadn't thought about ants with one queen who does all the mating. And same with bees who, you know, the queen does the mating. Their genetic diversity is so non-existent because they all come from the same parent. And while it's not a big deal for the bugs in general, we've seen with, especially with bees, if one is susceptible to a disease, it's going to spread like crazy in the hive. Part of that could be because of a lack of genetic diversity. So that's not to say that the pharaoh ants are doing better than other ants because they have this genetic diversity, but it is something interesting to look at when we're trying to consider how to protect pollinators, specifically the honeybees, that genetic diversity could make a huge difference. Um... So back to the ants. I got off on a bee topic. I was super curious about the name. Was it because they built anthills like little pyramids? Turns out no. Uh, They got their name from the thought that they were one of the biblical plagues. This might not be true, but it's like the rumor of the name that I found. Also, real quick, they don't build large anthills that look like pyramids. They are most often found nesting behind baseboards in furniture under floors, and between linens, like in your bed. Gross. Have I told you I have an ant problem in my house? I've never looked super closely at them, but I don't think they're pharaoh ants. I think they're something else. Anyway, they eat a lot of diverse things, which is another reason they're so prevalent. Things like syrups and fruits are pretty common, but so is meat and dead insects. Wait, okay, listen. When I was little, we, mov- we lived in the middle of nowhere, and always had bugs in the house. And we were told to flush them, don't throw them in the trash after they were squashed. Do you think this is why? Do you think the carcasses would attract these ants? I think that's very interesting. The pharaoh ants are very hard to get rid of once you have them because they prefer a very large spread out colony system. They're hard to fully remove. The best course of action is to prevent them in the first place. So think things like keeping food sealed in containers, fixing water leaks, sealing off any cracks or crevices, keeping pet food covered, and keeping your floors clean. I think these are all the same things that we talked about in the cockroach episode. So basically keep your house clean and in good repair. If you have an infestation, you really shouldn't spray them with an insecticide. And I'm not saying that because I'm anti-bug killing, but it will cause the colony to bud. So some ants will die. The ones that get sprayed are going to die. But then the ones who don't die will relocate. 
meaning you have to find them again and then try something else. The best option, and I put best in quotes because, I mean, it's not great, but is insect bait. So what will happen here is the workers will take the bait back to the colony. All the colony members will eat it and die. This works well for multiple buds, but there's a chance that you won't get them all and the problem will continue. So you can always call a professional, but this sometimes requires you to vacate the house for some time. So really the best option is to keep them from nesting to begin with. And that's coming from the person who has ants literally everywhere, all the time in the summer. I think it's an issue from our yard. It is full of ants who are on the hunt for food and water, which we have inside. So they're coming in to look for it. We have stinky dogs that have a doggy door, so our house isn't properly sealed. And I know our shower and bathtubs don't dry very fast, so there's leftover water there on the daily. I could definitely do things to make the lives ants harder. Lives ants? No. I'm going to try that whole sentence again. <laughs> I could definitely do things to make the ants' lives harder, but at the end of the day, the doggy door is a necessity for my sweet special dog. And, you know, I've seen people dry their tubs and showers when they're done with them. That just feels odd. I don't know why. It feels like an odd... Listen, if I am in the shower and I have to wash my hair and I get out of the shower, I've already spent so much time in the shower, and then I have to deal with my hair once I get out, I am not drying the shower. No, nobody has time for that. Um, so, you know, I'm just going to have ants. I feel like this is taking forever, so let's close this one out. Thank you so much for learning with me today. I'll see you next week here on the Bug Plug Podcast. Bye.